Hello and welcome to Something to Declare. It's wonderful to have you joining us at the beginning of season five. And Beth, hello. How are you? Hello. Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Pleased to be starting season five. Excited about the guests that we have joining us. Oh, so am I. I'm really looking forward to them. I think most of uh, the people who've last tuned into us will have heard uh, the presidential like nominations episode as like a one-off special that we recently did. Should we talk about that for a minute? Yes, good idea. Yes, welcome to any new listeners who have joined us post the presidency edition. So that was something we were invited to do as part of the discernment process. And we got to chat with three of the four candidates uh, in the end. And since we've done that, uh, Steve uh, Fiddemore has been elected as president. So at this year's assembly, Tim Presswood becomes president. And then the year after that, Steve will be uh, president. So we pray for him as he takes on uh, that role. But it's great. It's something a bit different. Good to meet all the different candidates and hear where there were common themes in all the things mm. they were saying, as well as things that were obviously different in the emphasis they were putting on the role I thought you know I got the impression it was a very neck and neck um kind of election actually um from from what I've sensed it was a really close call and I I think for for us it was just I, I don't know about you but I came away from every single interview feeling really heartened like yes Yes. I think I'd gone in feeling like it was meant to be one of those presidential races that was meant to tell us who we were as a union. And that's <laughs> what I came out of it feeling because actually all these people are people and all these people are yeah. offering to serve and all of these people will have a vision that they'd like to us to hear. And I think I was a gift to be able to hear each of them. And, I, you know, not all of them because there was one that was missing, but but for three of them to really be able to listen to those and to ask our questions. And to, I was, I was, yeah, it was a really moving experience actually. And made me much more relaxed about the whole thing because I think I'd gone in with, with the same, perhaps the same uh, kind of, kind of wash of it before that everybody else had been saying that you know whoever gets it it means this and actually coming away from it thinking no I'm not sure it does I actually think all these people really care about the union in different ways with different visions but really deeply care and that's very powerful and impressive and lovely thing to be able to hear I think that's so well put and I think that's so true about um people are people and partly that's what we celebrate and try and dig into a bit on on the podcast because there are times where our life together as in the union not our life together uh, <laughs> the union um is uh frustrating do you occasionally and, explain to people i'm not married to you oh do you yeah so i just oh. for both of our spouses sake we're not married to one another <laughs> i i can confirm that that is the case um but um there's just yeah, life together can be difficult and frustrating and there are things we'd like to be different and there are people who push our buttons and and the union's not big enough to just avoid that. You know, there are some denominations where you, you can just kind of steer clear of it if that's what you want to do. It's very hard to do that in the Baptist world. Um, if you want to keep up with what's going on, you're going to bump into these challenges. Uh, so, but they're, they're just... And the, even the people that might take on some of those, what am I trying to say, those more difficult roles for us, actually, when you sit down and talk to them and hear their story and what they're passionate about and how God is at work in their life and through their ministry, you, you cannot help so often but find love and joy and connection in those conversations. And uh, partly what we get to do on the podcast is just talk to some people who make us feel like that, that make us feel like we're glad to be in union in, in a union with with these people because they're there and their stories are what make us who we are so it's mm. just felt very fitting really but I think it's exactly what you say there's just something about sitting and listening about what's on people's hearts that is just good for one's spirit and I think develops relationships in a way that's so important absolutely I'm that. yeah um so season five here we go. We've got to chat to quite a few wonderful people now. 
And the good news is the list just gets longer. You, you know, we've got more and more fabulous people we could be talking to, which is just good stuff. I'd say it's a list as long as I arm, but I think by this point it's probably a chapel. Yeah, I think it probably is a chapel's worth. I will use that as a metric from. from now on. <laughs> um, but today we are chatting with the one and only Reverend June Love. And uh, if you haven't met June, strap in. This is going to be uh, good fun. Can I add a really of course you can. thought at this point, just as normative discernism goes, the Reverend Love. I mean, what a phenomenal name in ministry. I couldn't agree more. And I couldn't think of someone more fitting. Mm, so uh, we're going to. Absolutely. Gonna... Having heard this. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to listen into our chat with June and then we're going to come back and talk about that in a bit. So here is uh, our chat with the Reverend June Love. June, welcome to our Something to Declare podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, we're absolutely delighted to have you on, not least because I know you're having quite a busy time at the moment because you've moved churches, you know, about five minutes ago and you're settling into your new place. You're uh, speaking to me today from your new office. Um, tell us where you've moved to. Oh, my, it's totally mental at the minute. We have moved to Kings Lynn and we literally moved um, two weeks ago. So we've been here 14 days. But involved in all of that is moving, packing, sorting, um, unpacking. And I had three days at conference in the middle of that minister's conference, because obviously that's what you do. And so I actually started my induction was Saturday, sort of three or four days ago and um, did my first preach on Sunday. And then I've, I've, I just haven't my feet haven't touched the ground ever since. But yeah, Kings Lynn, it's gorgeous. Hey, so uh, you have come into the EBA. Eastern Baptist Association, um, just about. I mean, you're just across the board. Just there, on the edge, King. just on the edge. They won't let um, me in any further. I have to go. And you're the very opposite corner to us, really, aren't you? We're, we're as far as you can go southeast, and you're as far as you can go northwest in, in the association. Um, but it's a bit of a return to the EBA for you, isn't it? It is. So the EBA has been my association forever. I came to faith in a church in Essex as an adult. Um, so, yeah, that was down in Brentwood in Essex. And that was where I then became sort of several years later, I became an assistant minister. And then when I went to Spurgeon's College to train for ministry, they put me in a church in Lowestoft. So on the other edge, I'm only allowed on the edge in case I cause too much trouble. <laughs> and then um, I, I moved into the EMBA, uh, which is East Midlands. I went to um, Nottingham for five years and I've just been allowed back home. Well, we're glad of that. We're very glad of that. Um, so you've you've quite you've moved um recently. So how's that been moving kind of obviously you weren't transitioning moving during COVID, but obviously it's a bit of a strange time for churches. I think this post-COVID time is quite hard and, and churches are all in very different places. Um, how have you found the folks in Kings Lynn post all of that? Yeah, it's um, very different. So I've come to a church here that live stream. They live stream every Sunday, which um, I've never done before. We we previously used to record and then edit and put sort of just the sermon up and things like that. But but they live stream here. So they've still got a lot of people here that are part of the church and members of the church, a part of the church family, but actually haven't still yet haven't found that courage possibly or um, or maybe they've just started figuring out that life can be lived in a multitude of ways and actually they now engage with church mm. online so I'm kind of figuring out what that looks like and what that means and how it means to have a digital community as well as an in-person community and and how I pastor sort of both groups of people how I hold all of it together and and yeah and what and what that looks like so that's a brand new challenge for me um, that I've never encountered before. And is the church that you've moved to uh, similar to the one that you were in before or is it a very different sort of a place? It's very different it's very it's it's 
brilliant. I mean, all of the churches that I have ministered in have been incredibly different to each other, incredibly wonderful in their own way. But this, the people here, they just feel, yeah, they're my people, they're my kind of people, they're... Um, it's a real mixture of a church. It's a real that there are all sorts of people here, um, people with learning difficulties, people who are um, reliant on benefits and struggling to get by, as well as the people who are um, sort of middle class, more affluent, uh, more able. And it's a whole mix of backgrounds. And it just feels fantastic. I don't know of any other environment where you would have such a fantastic mix of people all just worshipping together and sharing together and doing life together and supporting one another. And I'm incredibly drawn to it and incredibly attracted to it. Wow, love to hear that. And and there is something, isn't it? Sometimes you just know you've landed in a place where you, I mean, you said, these are my people and I totally get that. You just, you just get it instinctively. And it's not that you can't do it elsewhere, but sometimes it's such a blessing to land in a place where you think, okay, I feel like I've come home, yeah, even absolutely. though it's not home. Yeah, it's not to diminish the people that we've left behind because we no, have got friends all. for life, but there's just something I don't know, earthy and real mm -hmm. and messy in a lot of ways here. But but I love that. That's the kind of minister I am. I, I, I roll my sleeves up and get stuck in. I'm not a, I'm not yet. God hasn't revealed this to me yet, but I am not yet a team leader. I'm not a manager. I'm a, I'm a lead from the middle kind of person. You know, Jesus loves us and we're all trying to figure it out together. And let's, let's all just roll our sleeves up and get stuck in. That's who I am. Oh, I really enjoy hearing all about that. Um, so what are you, what are your priorities? Where do you start? Um, where do I start? I, th I think the place I start is where I always try and start is, um, now you'd be surprised to hear this, David, because, you know, me being such a sensible and somber kind of person, but of um, just bring an intentional joy. <laughs> It is oh. kind of a real starting point to me. Intentional joy in our churches, intentional joy in worship. Um, I can remember years ago, crumbs years and years and years ago now jeff lucas was at baptist assembly we were all up in blackpool and um oh good grief it's probably a lot of years now and i was i was i hadn't even gone to college yet i was um an assistant minister at church and um and, and it was a lovely church and there were lovely people it was the church i'd come to faith in there were people that loved me and they wanted the best for me because they knew me as this loud, scatty, sort of 22, 23 year old that kind of was here, there and everywhere. And 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 and, and <laughs> you see some of them going, well, God's called June to leadership. Are you actually sure? And they sort of <laughs> took it upon themselves to try and shape me into okay. what they thought a church leader should look like. And so. For some, I was too loud. For others, I was too scatty. For others, I was too, um, I don't know, too all over the place. And and they tried to make me this sensible, grown-up, quiet, somber. And they would use words like put on the mantle of leadership. And for me, that was too heavy. That mantle was too heavy. And it, it almost broke me. And I almost quit before I started. I'll be honest. I, I was at the end of myself. And... Um, I got, I went along to um, Baptist Assembly and Jeff Lucas was speaking and I sort of sitting in the room listening to him feeling completely out of my depth with all these, you know, esteemed ministers and stuff. And then there's me. And he started talking about intentional joy and bringing intentional joy into worship. And God gave us a sense of humor and God gave us our laughter and, you know, God being in our laughter and our joy. And I just burst into tears and you've got to imagine that I mean he's talking about joy and there's me sobbing my heart out but it was like God saying to me that I am who he has created me to be and he has called me with all of my personality with all of my eccentricities now that's not to say that I'm the complete deal that's not to say I mean I still have rough edges that need sanding off there are still things I need to work on with Jesus you know but but I love him he loves me and he called me with my personality with 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 everything that is involved in being me he called me not in order to make me someone else but me and 
I got that that day. I got it. I got it. And and I didn't quit. And thank God. And, and now I'm still here. But yeah, it's something. And I remember at my last church, very, very different to this, very gorgeous people. But when I got there, it was kind of very proper. And we were like, God, are you sure this is where you've called us to be? And it, it was like, you know, there was me in this very proper, very lovely, lovely people, very lovely church. And um, we had a missionary come back, um, used to visit each year. And, and kind of the first year that they came back that I was there, they walked through the door and they were like, wow, I can hear chatter and I can hear laughter and I can hear all sorts of stuff going on. And the person that met them at the door was like, yeah, but we still worship. And she said, no, I don't care about the but. This is wonderful. And I thought, yeah, it is. It is. That church is a place where you don't have to come in and be all somber and everything. You know, we do weep with you when that's right to do so. But we celebrate with you as well. And we laugh with you and we share with you and we enjoy life with you and, and all that that contains. And we do that through chatting, through chatting and sharing. I love that. I love the idea of bringing intentional joy. I think that's such a wonderful way of putting it. So how do you, how do you resist those inner voices and external pressures that seek to say that you need to be like something else? Have you got good friends around you? Have you got a support network of other ministers? How do you keep those voices quiet? Um, I don't know. Not, I don't always manage it. I'll be honest. Um, you know, I do have a good, strong support network. I do have um, my sending minister from that very first church um, is a dear friend of mine, um, Reverend James Pate. And um, he is still a mentor. He is still someone I contact all the time. And there's um, another minister that I'm dear friends with is Reverend Peter Thomas, who, um, again, I've known since the beginning of my, my first days in ministry. And he has been an incredible friend and support for me. But yeah, I have got good friends. I have got people who remind me of all of the things that I've just said that Jesus has called me and that I don't have to pretend to be someone else. Um, but also I have got good friends who can speak truth to me and and can be honest with me and and all of that. So, yeah, I think I have got a good support network. But also, I think as much as anything, it comes from being crumbs 15 years now further down the line and realizing you know you naturally change as you get older you naturally quieten down you naturally sort of settle but actually I'm still a bit bonkers for some people and that's fine that's fine you can't be all things to all people but there you know I am me and who I'm who God called me to be I think that's uh, such a challenge for so many of us to to resist that being all things to all, all people um I always take so much courage from hearing from people who are you know who are a bit further on in that and saying you know I am who I am and you know I, I can be no other there's yeah. this um there's peace in that yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely I, I say I don't always manage it don't no. always manage it but yeah on a good day <laughs> yeah That's I um so June talk to me about some of your favorite parts of ministry then you've obviously been in these different what brings you joy in ministry what um because obviously there's things that we do because we have to do them yeah, yeah. Um, and we can do them well and that's fine but what are the things that bring you joy or where you feel most in the calling you know where you feel like this is what I was made to do it's people it's it's being with people um it sounds obvious and it sounds stupid, doesn't it? But but it really is the people that bring me joy. I mean, this week, I walked into the office first thing on Monday morning, knowing that um, I've got a couple who are getting married on Saturday here. And um, in the transition period coming from my previous church to here, talking to the church secretary here, and, and he was like, uh, Joan, can you do the wedding? And I, I was like, well, I've only just arrived. And he's like, no, please, can you do the wedding? I was like, okay, I'll do the wedding. So, so I met with them. I had emailed them and said, look, I'm really sorry. I'm literally arriving in Kings Lynn a week before you get, get married. So I met with them on Monday and we talked through the wedding and the joy and the love that they have and, and, and being privileged to, to kind of walk with them through that. While they were here, the phone rang and it was a funeral director asking me if I could 
um, take a funeral of people who lived close to the church, but don't have any real contact with the church. They just sort of live in the streets nearby. So on Tuesday, I sat with a couple and talked them through, you know, that that loss of their mum and everything that the funeral would be. And we, we talked through that. And then yesterday, um, which was Wednesday, uh, I had a two and a half hour meeting with a couple of my uh, trustees about some safeguarding issues, making sure that church is safe so that everyone that comes through the door knows that they are safe and protected, which is vital in the area that we're in and, and the kind of people that, that we're working with. And I, I just feel, you know, you kind of go away from that and you go, what are three days to start with? it's joyful and today there's been toddler group on and I've been out there chatting to the mums and I've been in the cafe and then we have had the wedding rehearsal and just people it's just a privilege you know to actually get to I don't think we realize what a privilege it is to walk with people through their highest highs you know their weddings and all of their hopes and and their hopes for the future are laid bare in front of you but also their lowest lows when they've lost someone that they love dearly and you get to hold their hand through that. And then you get to go and sing the wheels on the bus and you get to go <laughs> and eat a sandwich with the people that have come and that are helping out with the, the toddler group and, and with the cafe. And, and I love it. I love it. I don't know what I'm going to do from one day to the next. It means that it's messy. It means that quite often I'm running to keep up with myself because I've still got to write a sermon. I've still got to craft a service. I've still got to turn up on Sunday. I can't turn up on Sunday and go, I've had a really busy week. Do you think you can come back on Tuesday? You know, I've still got to fit all of that in somehow, as well as sort of caring for Adrian and all that that's involved there. That's, you know, my husband. Um so, but yeah, I love it. It gives me joy. It really does absolutely give me joy. I go home and I'm bouncing. My poor agent has to tie a string to my ankle and pull me back down again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if anyone needs prayer, bless him. He's been married to me for 27 years. He's kind of got the hang of it now. <laughs> um, which begs the question, I think, how, how easy do you find it to have a day off? Oh, mate, it's impossible. It's impossible. I've got, I've got, yeah, I've, I've got Fridays as my day off, allegedly. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I've got to, yeah, with everything I've had to do this week, I, I, I can't, I've got, right, I've got to find some time to do something. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not very good at it, but then I, I've learned over the years. I mean, I'm a lot older now. Um, I sound like I'm close to retirement. I've yeah. got a few years left yet, but 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 with <laughs> age comes wisdom. And I, and I think if I don't get to have a full day off this week, you know what? There'll be an easier day next week that I won't look for things to do. If that makes sense, and I'll yeah, yeah. And I'll sort of claw it back, and and I'll I, I kind of have had to learn to be a bit better with my days off because Adrian needs me more than he did. Um, so, yeah, because he's got some quite significant health issues now and trying to minister alongside being a good wife, where he's usually been the one for the past however many years that's kind of supported me and been there for me. It's as much my turn now to be there for him and learn to minister and be a good wife at the same time, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, um, such an important part of, of ministry. Um, so having been with your... Uh, churches um, over the years uh, we say about um, with age comes wisdom and learning about uh, time off um, what else have you what, what else have you learned over that time you know, how does ministry look a bit different or how do you approach it differently compared to when you started I think when I started you kind of had that idea of, of what ministry looks like so you know mornings in the office writing your bible studies and writing your sermons and afternoons out visiting and going sitting on somebody's sofa and evenings leading those bible studies and stuff and actually that's not what ministry looks like ministry looks like singing wheels on the bus ministry looks like going and picking somebody up and taking them to a hospital appointment ministry looks like going for a walk with someone because you love walking and they love walking and actually they're more likely to talk to you and share where they are if they're walking and they're not having to look at you as they talk um, and you can have a conversation sort of that way it's a lot easier so actually I think I've learned 
um, yeah, that ministry can be shared with someone when you're both cheering on a football team or a cricket team as easily as it can sitting over a cup of tea on their sofa. And that actually ministry can be fun and that ministry can be exciting and that ministry can be different and there isn't one size fits all and you do what's right for you. And you you talk about that about walking. You've got a bit of a walking ministry, haven't you? you you're um you do yeah. quite a bit of walking. It's bonkers. I mean, anybody that knew me a little while ago, I mean, I used to get in the car to go to the shop and the shop was on the corner. But then sort of lockdown happened. And um, the government told us that that you can go for a walk each day and <laughs> you can only be like out for an hour. And um, if you see someone coming, you know, hide in a bush, jump into a bush and don't breathe the same air kind of thing. But you could be out for an hour and I get stir crazy. I mean, I can't stand being indoors. I, I, I'd rather be on a boat on the broads or or with my family or out cheering on a cricket team or watching Norwich play football or, or doing something like that. And, and so it was like all of a sudden we couldn't meet with family. We couldn't meet with friends. We couldn't do all of the things that bring us joy and bring us life and um, sustain us or at least sustain me. My poor husband is a bit of an introvert. So he, <laughs> he thought lockdown was the best thing ever. Um, but, so um, I started walking and I'd go out. And um, if you've ever seen, if you if you look on my Facebook, uh, my photographs, if you get the chance, when I first started walking, I've lost three stones since I started walking. So when I first started walking in lockdown, um, I, I'd come, I'd, I'd walk like a mile and I'd have the biggest, reddest, like beetroot or tomato face that you've ever seen in your life. And then um, we just kept it up. We just kept it up like an hour. And it, it initially that hour would be just over a mile. I mean, literally, you could have crawled it on your hands and knees faster. But I kept going and I kept going. And then in my sabbatical in um, last summer, we walked 47 miles. Um, I walked, me and a friend walked the North Norfolk Coastal Path. We walked from Hunstanton to Cromer. And it was incredible. And I never thought it was something. I never thought it was something that I would have a desire to do. Mm -hmm. And I never thought it was something that actually I would be physically able to do. And it was incredible. Talk about being close to God. I mean, just one foot in front of the other, huge open sky, you and God. It's, it was one of the massive joys. So, yeah, I haven't walked for, I mean, I walked a little bit on Sunday because um kind of took the dogs for a walk. But, but that's as much as I'm doing at the minute. I need to, now I'm moved, now I'm unpacked, now I know where my walking boots are. I need to get them on and start exploring again. I'm really looking forward to it here. Yeah. Yeah, and great time of year to be settling in and finding walks. So uh, look forward to seeing those photos. Absolutely. Um, now, June, everyone who comes onto the podcast gets asked these two questions. And so I'd like to ask you uh, the questions now. Um, and the first is, if you had one thing to declare to the union in this moment, June, what would it be? Can I, this is where you can tell that I'm a mother of three sons. Um, don't judge my parenting skills by this. But <laughs> genuinely, I just want to bang people's heads together and say, stop it. Stop all of this. <laughs> we, you know, the table is big enough for all of us to gather around. I share a table with people who hold different views to me on women in ministry. You know, it's just the way it is. But I still share communion with people when we're at conference, when we're at assembly. I'm not going to not shake your hand just because I disagree with you. I'm not going to be there for you and, 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 and not pray for you. And, you know, we disagree with each other on a whole host of things. So why are we letting this one area one thing of, of you know sexuality and that that's sort of being discussed in all of the churches at the minute why are we letting that threaten to split us apart the table is big enough for all of us we don't gather around a set statement of faith the declaration of faith we 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 gather around the declaration of principle and hallelujah you know it's big enough to gather all of us in and i wish we could have the bravery and the courage to learn to sit with people that we don't agree with and disagree agreeably. And I know not everyone will, will agree with that even, you know, but come on, come on, let's stop fighting and let's start talking. 
that's kind of what I'd say to the union. I, I think we need a bit more of that mum of three boys energy in our <laughs> life together. Absolutely. Yeah, love that. Thanks so much. Um, and Judy, if you think Baptists have one thing to declare to the world right now, what would that be? If I'm honest, I don't know how popular this is going to be, but I, I want to say sorry. I really, I really want to say sorry because, because God loves you and we haven't always made you feel loved. And Jesus said, I've come so that they may have life and life in all its fullness. And sometimes we've tried to take that life away from you or strangle it out of you. And I want to say sorry for the times when you've come to us and you haven't felt loved and you haven't felt welcomed. And when we've so been so caught up in our theological disagreements that we've lost sight of the real people in front of us. Because when we're having our theological arguments, what we're forgetting is that there are real people we're talking about, real lives, real hearts, real people who are looking for love and family and a church and acceptance and Jesus. And they haven't always found it. So I think I want to say sorry. And I want to say don't give up on us. We're, we're human beings like you are. And God loves you more than you know. Well, June, that is a wonderful place, I think, to finish uh, today. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing. I'm certainly glad you're back in the EBA. I'm glad to share a union with you. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. was my chat with June uh, a while ago um what do you make of that what's standing out for you I oh, I'm still smiling having heard it so I think it's her whole conversation about joy and her intentional joy um and what I really want to know is like how would you make an an intentional joy about ministry that's authentic that isn't annoying that like it's just so lived she was utterly extraordinary in being who she was right that, that yep. that's what I've heard her do yep. and be in the interview and she made me smile I just listening to her made me smile it made me feel so much better at the stuff that she said I was I didn't know I needed that sermon today but I got it you know I just I, I'm still bowled over by the feelings it made me feel and I think the feeling was was joy it was relief and gladness and uh sustenance and and joy and I just think you know she said that's what she was about and she was, and she is, clearly. And I think just having listened to her, I don't know her. So uh, like many of our podcasters, I expect who are listening with us that actually, I, I don't know June. And I just got to experience that interview like they did. And um, wow, really, to be honest, how do you be that? Like, how can I be that too? <laughs> like, yeah. How, how is she so lovely? So that's my main thought. And it's so winsome. I, I find that, that that impact that must have just in the community around the church as well. And there's something about that that is incredibly attractive. Um, I think one of the things that strikes me too um, is just how June talks about being herself in ministry and ministry isn't one size fits all and she has worked to find her own voice in ministry and be herself and I do think that is a large part of what it means to be in ministry mm. because there is this I don't know where it comes from it comes from all over the place I guess um and I find there's a particular thing here I, I may be wrong and apologies to all the people I'm about to offend um <laughs> But there's this temptation in ministry to look down on people who are extroverts and 
you know, sort of heavy extroverts. Um, and to suggest that somehow that's not quite spiritual enough, right? Which just is rubbish, right? Um, and I, I, the sort of, I, I resonate so much with what June's saying about actually, you know, the toddler group can be such an amazingly joy-filled space. Um, Sing, singing wheels on the bus, just as much a part of ministry. It is. Loved it, it. Yeah. Loved it. Can I, can I come back to the phrase heavy extrovert? Yes. Love that. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm I, there. I, you done Myers Briggs. Yeah, we got made to do that at college. They had a special person come in and everything. Same. same. Yeah. And I don't really believe in Myers-Briggs because it's all based on a binary. Um, and the whole thing for me just kind of rankles. But when I... I was going to make a, a binary joke, but I'm about 20 years too late. So carry on. <laughs> so, so, when I, um, so when I filled it in, I was an off-the-wall extrovert on yep. the Myers-Briggs case like there couldn't you couldn't be more extrovert like I had not a single extrovert introvert point which is actually not true at all or at least not for me and my actual managing my life and ministry which is why I think that Myers-Briggs ultimately is flawed but uh, I get that for some people that language is helpful and what I think about the language that is helpful is that it's not value laden so you can talk yes. about being extrovert or introvert without it being judgment it's just yep. neutral um and all of the others similarly but particularly those I think um yeah and I am definitely a massive external processor like I hear myself say things <laughs> I'm like, I just need to talk this out and then I can work yep. out what I'm saying <laughs> yep. and I'm so envious of my internal processing colleagues who think all their thoughts in their head before they actually say it out loud because mm. you don't sound like an idiot like yep. When it actually comes out of your mouth, like when I'm yes. saying it and stuff, it's still in process and it's definitely raw and it's messy. And, and so that's why I loved June because yeah. she gave so much permission, didn't she, to be that. And um, I loved the conversation you had with her about actually how do you really do this? Because um, how do you maintain it, this when there were other critical voices, when there were the judgmental voices? She told that yeah. extraordinary story of being called into leadership is who she was and then God speaking through Jeff Lucas at assembly and I just want a big love for that fact that assembly spoke to her in her local situation that she felt like yeah. there were all these ministers and everything but God was just talking to her that day and that was a good Jeff assembly Lucas knows that like yep. can we just can we let him know that by the way you gave a really cool sermon and it's released <laughs> this whole fabulous minister into ministry but yeah just great isn't it yeah I'm extroverting now so please take over <laughs> well I, I don't think I'm in a strong position to say anything different um <laughs> so I remember being in my um previous church where um a very privileged to be in a team setting and, and I'm a big external processor I'm off the chart extrovert in a Myers-Briggs sense as well exactly the same as as you were describing and then we'd have a team meeting and some issues would come up and everyone would sort of say, right, well, I'll go away and think about that and we'll come back to the meeting next week. And I was like, whoa, 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 where's everybody going? We've just put a big issue on the table and everyone else went to their own individual rooms. And then um, Diane, uh, what's joined our team, and she's a bit of an external processor as well, um, I think, or at least um, she was... The ultimate definition of one, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, or at least was gracious enough to, to put up with me. And we'd go to the coffee shop or something instead and we'd talk it out and we'd get to where we we thought the answer was but yeah it's so different so I think being yourself in ministry the other thing that I picked up as part of that conversation was the importance of having people who will support you through that process so she she mentioned a couple of uh, other ministers who've been particularly mm -hmm. important in sort of sponsoring helping encouraging supporting uh, her into ministry and and not trying to make June like them is an important part of that. So I think the role of, of mentors and, and advocates in ministry is really important. You do need people who are going to put your name forward and encourage you and 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 help you with all the things that need to be explored. And, and being able to advocate for other people in ministry settings is a real privilege. But you the, talked the, about taking courage from people. Who yes. Yes. That was a lovely phrase. 
because that's exactly how it is isn't it you meet people you're like oh you're so freely who you are yeah therefore I could be more freely who I am exactly. and you kind of just by being around them you're sort of emboldened and yeah 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 that was I thought that was a really lovely little conversation that you had there Oh, and I, I love that she was just like how do you do intentional joy we do it through chatting <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm such a chaplain <laughs> um, but I'm a chaplain with undergrads right most of the time and and some postgrads as well too but um so I'm like I'm just I'm in the corridors I was I was crowned uh president of um the corridor committee recently because we had and i quote court um because accidentally i started talking in a corridor and then you kind of gather a group and then you gather a group and <laughs> now it's the corridor committee um and and actually you know what i've discovered with with in chaplaincy in a in a situation where i mostly work with 25 year olds is um they they just chat to you little drips and bits of their lives in the corridor those conversations that they're the ones that there's the stuff that turns up in your office too and that's so significant because they've been brave enough and bold enough to come and bring whatever they've got but exactly. but the ones in the corridors they're the like the the drip feed of where the community's at what's going on how they are feeling what's happening just the little things they want to tell you about their day that are nothing things but they're everything things and you know what chatty is I, I i mean i i presume there are college chaplains who are not extrovert but good effort on them because you could possibly do that because for me actually those corridor conversations have become for me a real sacramental thing yes. like actually what people give me in their little bits of the day and yeah they matter so much they do they really do and i think we've said in a, a previous um episode about how ministry is the interruptions and it's about being around it's about being available <clears throat> i feel um like it's about hosting the space and i get i get the sense that that's something i think june does really well yeah whatever else in a service or a group that you're running works or doesn't work and we all have weeks where it comes together and it's incredible and weeks where nothing works and we wish we hadn't bothered um <laughs> you trust that the spirit will do what the spirit needs to do but it certainly isn't anything that you've brought to the party um but even outside of whether anything works or doesn't work there's a role in hosting the space and creating the environment for community to happen and that's a gift that june has in spades and it's the kind of thing that changes communities and also helps people who don't know how to play the game access mm. being part of a church community because if you've grown up in church especially if you can play the sort of middle class game that church so often is um then it it's fine but actually most people who aren't coming to church already either don't know how to play the game or don't want to play the game um and june just has that gift of making people feel welcome and able to be themselves and loved and part of that community by being herself and I just think it's the most wonderful thing and I think the good people of Kings Lynn Baptist Church are very blessed to have called her aren't they and I think the journey they're going to go on and I use that phrase very intentionally um such a cliche spiritual phrase <laughs> going on a journey um do you know the cbb song you might know the cbb song you are obviously going to be traveling to cbb's david we fight over that role quite a lot yep. so yeah um let's go for a walk the introduction to the there's a i don't know what it is there's a cbb's program and i clearly have listened to it enough <laughs> like without paying much attention as my children are watching it <laughs> Um, which sings a little song which is about called let's go for a walk and mm -hmm. then they um they talk about the things they see on their nature walk that's very lovely um every night it's a total earworm if if you if you're not into cbb's just just google the earworm <laughs> and you will have it in your hair forevermore and the thing is she talks a lot about going for walks doesn't she in yes kind of how she does ministry and how she creates conversation and obviously for her it's been a 
quite a liberating experience too, like discovering her own health and mm. what that has meant for her, but but also for her opening up other people's conversations. So it, it, for her, it's been an opening up experience, but for other people, it has been too. And and I loved that what she brought about that because I was thinking as she was talking about walking, how much walking has actually probably been a part of my spirituality too. And I I, I probably wouldn't have thought about it before. Mm. But as soon as she said it, it made me reflect how much that's true, that actually often if I want to pray about something, or if I want to work through something, I'll go on a walk. Like, that's what I will do. I'll go, like, angrily stomp around for an hour. <laughs> and um, usually angry. Um, but maybe, you know, whatever else it is, worried or perturbed or, you know, confused, whatever the stuff is that like, needs sorting out, and I'll go and... I'll go and take it for a walk. And I use um quite often the prayer app um uh that is called Praise You Go. I'm just trying to remember what it's called. <laughs> I mean, it was like a prayer app that's on my phone. Um, but the Praise You Go app, they have a, like a little uh, guided walk and that okay. you can use. It's like a um like a Lectio Divina kind of device, but like here's an intentional way of going for a walk with God. I love that. And I've I I did in lockdown so when she was talking about walking in lockdown for Uh, me I didn't have so I was the opposite in that I had small people at home and they've had me space so occasionally the walk was my own bit a little bit of time to myself the only bit of time to myself and shut in the household um so I would try and occasionally at least maybe once a week go for this prayer Mm. walk where I could just just for an hour you know because you couldn't leave very much longer with a tiny newborn babe and all that but you could just go for a walk and and actually going for a walk with God was just so fundamentally important for sustaining my spirituality Mm. in that really hard bit of life and yeah it was such a game changer and I I don't walk very much anymore actually and I've been noticing that and I've been trying to reintroduce it I was so interested that she was talking about that too and I was like that's Mm. so helpful yeah we look forward to hearing more about your walking adventures um, in due course, if you're going to be uh, giving more of that a go. Um, I think um, it would be remiss of us not to talk about um, June's answers to the final two questions oh, man. as well. Yeah, Let's bring a bit of mum of three energy to union life. I just think this is so it. I, I'm, I'm the eldest of, of three boys, right? So I, I, I often think, you know, put my mum in a room and you know we'd get some answers um i'm not saying whether they'd be the right ones but we'd get it sorted you know what i mean and i think there mm-hmm. is just a bit of that of just get on with it and a bit of no nonsense and when you do that with the kind of joy that i imagine june can also bring to that context you could make it work do you know what i mean there's just something in that but yeah we need it we need a bit more of mama boy's energy i like stop that. it yeah <laughs> just, stop it. just stop it just stop it i so love that i am a mom of two boys not three but yeah (laughs) yeah and then when we were talking about um declaring to the to the world Mm. um june spoke about sake, sorry and uh we've had that come up haven't we that's Um, our second sorry yeah and there's something about the humility that it takes to speak that that again I think is very winsome mm-hmm. and um in a world where it's a case of just pressing on and domineering with your own truth to the point where people stop arguing or whatever do you know what I mean there's just something about acknowledging and being humble and saying sorry and also recognizing that we all stand in a big line of tradition and for people outside the church they don't draw the distinction but the distinction between that church and that church and this happened there and that happens there all they know is the church did it and the church said it yeah so we're all having to own things even if we've not been or even our denominations not been involved so there's a real when you're talking to people who aren't in the church you could have a different conversation. And I really liked the way June spoke about that. I felt like all of that bit felt like a blessing. Yes. You know, there was just something about it. If you wrote written as a liturgy, it would almost have been a blessing. 
in the way she was like god loves you and we haven't always made you feel loved and she just went on and on and there were just there was a whole litany there um of of beautiful phrases that felt like blessing and i was just so struck by that um that it was an apology and yet it didn't feel defensive and it didn't feel like I don't know, it just felt like it felt like a gift and it felt like a bless it felt like a blessing. And I thought it was such a beautiful way of handling, you know, who we have maybe been as a church in all our mm. global power. Um yeah, I just I, I'm gonna go back at some point and like write those phrases down because she I don't know if she meant to preach them, but they felt like <laughs> glorious enter a sermon didn't it it was beautiful absolutely right well we're grateful to june for coming yeah. and sharing with us i've got a little note that says underneath oh june i needed this today so june thank you i don't know you yet we're looking forward to meeting yet. you today, yet that's right yet indeed um but very much that i i needed this so yeah. what joy thank you very much brilliant now, Beth, we usually finish with a blessing. And this season, we're going to be using a blessing that's been written especially for us no. by our friend, the Reverend Jeannie Kendall, who was um, one of our very first guests on the podcast. In fact, if you are new listening, um, you can catch all the previous episodes from the previous four seasons. There's some cracking guests there, some really good stories, including mm -hmm. Jeannie, who is uh, a wonderful gift and blessing. Um, and she's written this blessing for us to you. So at the end of each podcast, we're going to finish um, with this blessing um, today. Um, do you have it in front of you? I there? do. Can you I do? go with it? Yeah, uh, you go with it today and uh, I'll do next time. This is my favorite. Actually, Jeannie sent us several blessings. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. We had a, we had a, a menu. We've yeah. been ultimately blessed, both by Jean and now by Jeannie. Um, so thank you very much. Um, this was my favorite. So, Life-giving God, you hold the universe in all its vastness and breathe life into every living creature. May we be blessed with the strength for the tasks which you are calling us to and the wisdom to lay down those you are not. Amen. Thank you, June. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Jeannie. Look forward to chat with you all next time. See you soon. Bye.